Um, how's everybody? How's everybody doing? Just dandy. Cowbell? <laughs> Cowbell? <laughs> All right. Go back to bed yet? Off the rails. <laughs> I think Ryan's been... <laughs> he's, he's, he's yeah, been breathing the funny gas again. Yeah, what happened? What's going on? Who gave him nitrous oxide? <laughs> yeah. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of... Oh, wait, wait, stop, 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 wait, stop, stop, sorry. Wait, stop. Not stop, ready. wait. I don't have a bell, I don't have a drumstick. Oh, sorry. okay. Hang oh, on. Jesus. Jeez. Oh, it's too early. You should know all about early. No, I, I don't know anything about early. I don't do anything early. Do, 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 do. I wonder if they have an electronic cowbell. I guess you could. I guess you could Insert sample it audio on a speaker here. No, <laughs> that's cheating. Insert wave file here. Yeah, that's cheating. All right. Okay, ready? Let's do it. Hey, and welcome. I'm ready. No, there's a little overlap there. I <laughs> started that again. I know. <laughs> hey, and welcome. Timmy. <laughs> hey, drop the drumstick. Oh, God, this is why we don't do morning shows. We'd be the worst zoo crew on the radio. We'd be the best zoo crew on the radio. Yeah, it'd be terrible. We don't right. have the fart sounds lined up or anything. Yeah. All right. Okay, ready? Hey. All right, we're good to go. You son of a bitch. I guess it's the I coffee, coffee, the Irish, I, I, Irish version. Can't even say hey, you can't even speak. It's like you're trying to say Google. I know. It's terrible. I sound like Trump. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, speaking of which, um, I got my uh, I got my free Google Mini Nest in the mail yesterday. Oh, you got it already? Yeah, you got a free one. How yeah, uh, no? just just being a Spotify Premium subscriber, they are giving them away. No kidding. Yeah, are you are you a Spotify Premium subscriber? Yeah, we are. Well, go in. You can you can get it. I'll I'll. See if I can find you the link, but uh, yeah, you just click on a link and boom. Nice. Free. So, of course, I only have two rooms. What's the difference between? Uh, It's just the next generation of mini. Like, there's, I don't think there's, I mean, I I think the speaker's a little better than the the previous generation. Um, But, I mean, functional. Does it have a headphone jack? I don't know. I haven't haven't cracked it open yet because I only have, I already have two Google Assistants. And I only have two rooms in my house, so I don't know what to do with it. So I'm still working on working bathroom. trying to figure that out. Bathroom Google. Yeah, but here's the problem with the bathroom. The bathroom, they always have those bullshit, like, one-plug outlets. i got to plug my electric toothbrush into that. I don't, have, I don't have anywhere to plug it in 
in the bathroom. Wow, electric toothbrush, fancy. I know. It's only the best for me. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. I, 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 I don't know if it's worth having two Googles. Like, man, I could put one in the kitchen, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. First world problems. I don't know. Maybe you can train them to argue with each other. That would be cool. <laughs> I'd be down with that. A little fire in the morning. Debating on who's going to play the Spotify playlist that I wake up to. There you go. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Solid plan. Well, there you go. Anybody out there who has a Spotify premium membership that did not know that, yes, you can indeed get a free Google Mini Nest. Nifty neato. You're welcome. That's that's my PSA for the day. <laughs> um, oh, but everyone's doing good. How's, how's business? Going well. Going well. This has been a banner month. Oh, yeah? Good. Excellent. Yeah. It's like everybody who didn't order stuff over the summer is suddenly uh, panicking and buying now. So, yeah, it's been well, excellent. Well, you know, I just wonder if if a lot of that, you know, the summer people, I feel like we're still waiting around to sort of see what happened. I think that even though they announced that schools were going to be in session, I think a lot of people were just kind of like, well, we'll see about that. And now that, you know, it seems like they're determined and schools are open and kids are going to school i guess that maybe yeah now people are reacting and buying stuff yep making up for lost time which i don't know is i think it's good i mean i i don't know about you guys but i mean i had a i had an interesting i was part of an interesting conversation over the weekend um about covid specifically and and just kind of what what the long range forecast is and of course, nobody knows for sure. But I mean, I think that the the consensus among people in the know is that you know we're kind of we're kind of here for a while, you know, probably for another year, anyways, before we start to sort of push through the other side of this. And um, I think people are beginning to sort of shake off this this idea of oh, it's we're just going to go back to normal. We just got to push through another couple months, another couple months. I think it's it's important to sort of shake that off and just realize that this is this is the way it's going to be for a little bit, and you got to adapt and adjust and you figure out figure out what works. Yep, you know until until there's a, a vaccine, until that vaccine's widely spread and widely adopted, yeah, we're we're basically in a holding pattern. I think. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I was you know I also had an argument with a friend that you know about Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue. Is that a thing now? That's apparently a thing now. And I'm just, it's ridiculous. Like, honestly, I was thinking about this and this has made me mad because I was just like, I remember like watching, you know, sci-fi movies of the past. And like, that was always a thing, like video phone calls. Like, oh yeah, you'd phone somebody and you'd, you'd see them. Like, that's going to be amazing. And here we are, we're there and people are complaining about it. We're there. We, we can, you can phone somebody and have a video call with them anytime you want for as long yeah. as you want. Yeah, I've, and it's no big deal. I've seen, I've seen some posts on Twitter of people saying, you know, their workplace expects them to have Zoom open all day long, right? So it, it does have to get fatiguing if you're just in conferences and sessions all day long. Well, that's, I mean, well, that's, that's like a nanny cam. That's, that, that's <laughs> abusing the Zoom platform if you're just making yeah. your employees have it open all the time so you can watch them. That's creepy. Well, you can turn your camera off. 
Oh, well, then who cares? There you go. I'll have it open all day if you want, whatever. Just mute the mic, oh, turn the video off, and boom. Yeah. Hey, you want to hear something scary? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just setting up the uh, invitation for our uh, Thursday night uh, uh, pub night Zoom room. Yep. Which it is, uh, yeah, it is session number 22. Wow. We've been doing this for 22 weeks. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to be doing it for another 40 weeks. You might as well just open, maybe you should just license the virtual pub and like just actually really open it. <laughs> Make it a business. Yeah. Charge people to come in. Sure. You can get Skip the Dishes to deliver their beers. <laughs> Great idea. Right? See, you got to innovate in these times. Is anything in the news, guys? Or anything new and exciting you want to talk about? Oh, gosh. Everything's just been doomy and gloomy, so I think we should avoid it. Well, actually, let me, let, me, let me ask you this, because I'm curious, and, and I'm not really sort of in the feet on the ground anymore, but... How's that? How's the orbit stuff going? Because they they released some new a new device, right? Well, the orbit writer is out. the The uh, Braille display or the Braille keyboard uh, that you can pair up with devices. Uh, we're still waiting on the Orbit Forty, which a lot of people are excited about. It's a forty cell, uh, rather inexpensive Braille display by comparison to uh, what's out there right now. Uh, that one has been delayed. Um, because, of course, they manufacture in India, and India is an absolute disaster with COVID right now. Uh, so it's been, the uh, release of that has been pushed back to November now. Yeah, I guess I, guess I could see that. Like, that's the, the real big impact of, of COVID is, is on the supply lines, right? Like, when you have parts manufactured in, in a country that's is having a bad time with it, um, your, your product is just, it's not coming out. Or it's it, yeah. or it might be out, but it's you know it's not getting manufactured. Well, there's there's two different manufacturers that are using a similar technology. There's the um, there, there's the Braille Me and the uh, and the Orbits. Uh, we've been selling the Braille Me Twenty for a while, uh, although they're also having all kinds of problems with COVID because they also manufacture in India. But uh, but so far, uh, the units that we've sold have have stood up just fine. Um, we, I think out of the ones that we bought, we had one out of box failure, um, that just didn't, didn't work. And, uh, the rest of them have been in people's hands functioning just fine and dandy. So, um, I mean the early reports and, and I mean it, it these have been out less than a year, so you, you've got to take it for what it's worth, you know, for a track record, but, um, so far so good. Hey, that's excellent. That's good because this could that could really reshape that that market that has historically just been a lot of people have just been priced out of having um, any sort of electronic braille device because of that because of the price. Yeah. See, so it's not all bad news. Well, yeah, I suppose you gotta look at the silver lining. Uh, what? Uh, hey, Ryan, what are we doing today? Today, we are speaking with Alexander Howerslev Jensen and Will Butler from Be My Eyes. Yeah, this is cool. I, you know, it's funny. We, I can't believe we haven't had these guys on yet. I know. It surprises me as well. Yeah. They yeah. Must, we they must have talked to Apple. <laughs> no, I don't think we've ever invited them. We just never <laughs> thought of actually talking to them. Uh, but these guys have been, been around for a long time, and they were one of the first... 
um, companies to sort of step into this space of um, a an app for the visually impaired that um, uses a smartphone camera and and a, a human volunteer and helps people step through all kinds of processes in their day-to-day life. Um, you know, of course, now we have stuff like, you know, Ira and um, we have a bunch of apps that are using AI and AR components to do it. Like, like for example, EG, SuperSense AI that we talked to last week. Um, but yeah, we've just, we've never had these guys on and they've been doing it longer than anybody. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. As you can tell. Because I've only had one cup of coffee, and I feel like I'm really like I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of kind of with it. Kinda. No, don't be a show off, man. My my coffee machine broke yesterday. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I, no. can, I can no do espresso. It's oh. terrible. Oh, that's right. You had one of those fancy European ones. Yeah, and and uh, because I had that fancy European one, I uh, got rid of like virtually oh. every other way of making coffee in my house. Yeah. <laughs> so now I got no coffee. Tactical error. Yep. You always got to have a backup coffee maker in the closet somewhere. I learned that lesson. Yeah, I'm just well, waiting. I just might have learned it. I'm just waiting for my Keurig to to pack it in. I mean, it's like seven years old now. It's like first generation, and you know, it makes weird noises now when I make coffee. And I just I feel like it's well, it's going to go any day. We're on our second Keurig now because the first one stopped actually making hot coffee. I, I feel like that's, I feel like the coffee that it does make isn't as hot as it used to be. And I thought that that was maybe just my imagination, yeah. but does that happen? That's why we got rid of our first one. Everything really? else works. It's just the coffee wasn't as hot. Huh. Weird. Okay. Well then maybe so that's what's going on. It for a bit. I might have to, I'm, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. I just wait for the next sale. Well, Amazon Prime Day is coming up. Oh, yeah? When's that? I think October 13th. And so what's the deal with that? Just everything there's goes on sale? Announcements on different... Yeah, there's already been some announcements on um, different deals. But, you know, basically, it's their kind of like their Black Fridays, right? You know, mm. a lot of things go on sale, steep discounts. So, yeah, just watch it and see if something comes up. And yeah, it's a I'm good sure idea. you'll see local retailers as well trying to match prices as well. That's a good idea. Yes. All right. Well, good. Good. See, life is good. I don't know why you guys are all doom and gloomy. Sounds, sounds like things are on the up. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? See, it's, it's all attitude and altitude. What is that thing? Uh, your attitude determines your altitude, my friends. Your attitude determines your altitude? I don't think so. Well, yeah, sure it does. Unless you're a pilot. Hi, everyone. This is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies, and this is a shameless plug. We've been working hard to find less expensive Braille products so we can make Braille available for more people. We can now say that we have Canada's most comprehensive lineup of inexpensive Braille solutions, including the 20-cell Braille Me from InnoVision, the soon-to-be-released 40-cell Orbit Braille display from Orbit Research, as well as the world's least expensive multi-line Braille reader, the Canute from Bristol Braille. You can have a look at them all on our website at www.canastech.com.
And guys, joining us from Be My Eyes are Alexander Howerslev Jensen and Will Butler. Hey, Ryan, Rob, and Steve. Welcome to Yankee Banter. Thank you. Why don't we just start off by um, just for anybody who has been under a rock for the last eight years who doesn't actually know what uh, Be My Eyes is, can you just give us a a real quick rundown on um, what the app is and what it does and how it works? Yeah. Well, it's been a long uh, eight-year journey. It's been eight years since I think uh, the TED talk that uh, that Hans made uh, uh, about about his idea. Hans is our founder. He's out in Denmark, a legally blind guy who had this idea um, right around the time that FaceTime and Skype started to become available on the cellular networks, where he was FaceTiming friends and family to 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 get help seeing stuff, and he thought. There's so many people in the world who want to help blind people, and I don't want my friends and family to just think I need help every time I call them. Maybe I can put two and two together and, and create a network of people who can help. So it took a few years, but finally in January of 2015, um, Hans teamed up with a guy named Christian Erfurt, who's our CEO, and they co-founded Be My Eyes. And so, yeah, we're five, five and a half, almost six years old now. And it's been a wild journey. We've now got more than 4 million users and a whole constellation of partner companies. And people are getting help seeing the world together in almost 180 languages, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that you guys were really sort of the first in this space, um, you know, in over the past, say, you know, five years, you know, there have been other companies that have taken this model and sort of run with it and created different, you know, ones created a bit of a pay service. Um, And, you know, and there are others that are kicking around that are sort of playing with the idea of artificial intelligence or augmented reality. Um, But you guys were really sort of the first in the space. Um, What's that journey been like? Well, I, Alexander can speak to this a little more because he was the one who who kind of conceived of Be My Eyes in its current form today. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll defer to him. But I would just say that I think Be My Eyes is really different because we are a software platform, right? Think of us more like a social network. Um, we're just a small, you know, we're barely a dozen people. Um, we're just a small software company. Um, and we create these the software that allows anybody, whether they're a company or an individual, to come and support the blind community. We're sort of agnostic about who it is it's actually supporting because we realize there are so many different forms of visual support out there. So we're just kind of like the software that's trying to enable the interaction, but we don't actually you know employ any type of visual assistance or 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 have any real uh, dogma around visual interpretation as as a service, um, if that makes any sense. Alexander, what do you, what would you say about uh, the, what it's been like to sort of be quote unquote the first? When when, when we just started, when we got started, we a little bit about our journey. We as as Will said, we launched about five and a half years ago, and um, from day one, it was kind of a global birth with um, more than a thousand blinded low vision users within the first 24 hours and more than 10,000 volunteers signing up. So even like within the first 24 hours, we kind of exceeded uh, our 12 months goal 
uh, for for in terms of growth. But with that also came quite a lot of responsibility. Um, um, of course, to figure out to how to support all of these new languages, but also how to support the the um, the community. We from day one we kind of also realized that differently to how a lot of other um, AT companies work, where there's usually a pretty high premium uh, attached to the product, we kind of want wanted to go the opposite direction and say, we know that this is can be useful for people all around the world. We've always all, already proven that with like within the first few days of uh, since launching. So it has to be our responsibility to provide a completely free and a completely unlimited service. Um, so we, I think that kind of rocked the boat a little bit uh, because it was su such a different approach to how a lot of uh, AT ha had been done previously. Um, so, and the growth of course has been pretty in, um, incredible since then. So today it's a, it's a fairly big community. It's being used by about 250,000 uh, blind low vision users who are being supported by about 4.2 million volunteers, but also, and we can talk more about this, they're also being supported by all of the partnering companies that we have. So Microsoft and Google and Procter and Gamble and a lot of a long list of blindness organizations who are utilizing specialized help to better connect with the community. So it's been a wild growth. It's been a wild journey and uh, it's, it's thankfully it's far from over. Speaking a little bit to those early days, because it's sort of fascinating to me, because it seems to me that, and people forget, but I mean, back then, this was a little bit of a, a risky venture, I would think, because there were a lot of a lot of things that could sort of go wrong with this, because right. it was, for one thing, it was, it was the early days of smartphones, relatively early days. Um, so, and with, with an app that's relying on, like, the camera technology, um, broadband, data, all that sort of things, those were still uh, st sort of still the early days of all that. It wasn't as rock solid as it was today. W were those types of things um, concerns going forward? And, and also, like, even, even because it's so heavily community-driven, um, was there ever a concern early on where it's like, what, what happens if we don't get enough volunteers or what if, if we have more users than volunteers or... Or was that sort of thing really already fleshed out in the early development? It was. It was absolutely, absolutely a concern uh, when launching. We had no idea if people would sign up or not. It would. It was a really a. Um, we we couldn't really test it. Um, but what we found is that like we had thousands of people signing up the first few days, and I think the reason why that happened, and all of this happened without any marketing or anything like that, we were lucky that it was picked up in the press a few times. But I think that Vimais addresses something that is really, really core to people and to humans, and that is like being there for each other and helping out. And we just found that this the way that we connected people really allowed for very human connection uh, and that it was very appealing. Um, so, but there was definitely concerns about, will we have enough volunteers uh, to support all of these calls that are coming in? And luckily we were, were proven wrong and there's thousands and now millions of people have signed up. Just to address the, the technical challenges, of course, it's uh, the technical state of the world about six years ago, um, 
it's 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 in, kind of interesting to look back and at 3G connections and even 2G connection. I think we thought that that, that was amazing, uh, looking at what we have today. Um, but of course, in especially in some more rural uh, parts of the world, um, they didn't have as good as an experience as people who lived in more urban places. Of course, uh, with the development of technology and coverage around the world, there's a much, much better connection globally. I think the really neat thing about it for me is is looking at those volunteer numbers and the fact that, that you know you guys are up to 4 million volunteers. And I think that it does more so than, than a lot of the, the other apps that are similar that are, you know, pay models, the fact that these are all volunteers and the the real functionality of this app is so reliant on the community itself. Um, I don't know. It's just, it, it gives me the warm fuzzies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think also we, we work really, Alexander and I work really hard every day now to dispel the, the idea that it's just volunteers. Uh, it is quite a lot of volunteers and I think the volume comes from volunteers, but, uh, when you call Google or Microsoft for tech support, it is, uh, accessibility trained call, you know, uh, support customer support representative who's in a dedicated call center. Um, and who knows how to work, who knows exactly uh, how to help you fix whatever you need help fixing. So there's some real experts on there as well. Um, would definitely encourage folks to explore the specialized help section of, of the app because it's really blossomed in the last year. Uh, I think people will be quite surprised. It's a very, very different uh, little ecosystem than it was just a couple of years ago. Well, then that's a good segue, actually, because I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, the specialized help portion of the app. So can you, can you explain what it is and, and sort of where it started and, and even where it's going? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, Alexander, do you want to talk about how it started? I can certainly do that. Um, about three years ago, we realized that volunteers, they're great for a ton of different tasks, all the simple tasks, like making sure that the color of the shirt is what you think it is, reading out simple text or like shopping in the supermarkets and stuff like that. But we also noticed that Sometimes the volunteers don't have the expertise to support. And in some cases, companies are actually better equipped to answer these questions. So we, um, we, we, we thought hmm, there might actually be a place for companies to respond to BMIS calls directly in the app if, if people are having issues with their, their specific products and services. So. About three years ago, we launched with um, Microsoft as the first company to be on. So if you are having issues with your Microsoft computer, you'll just go into specialized help. You're going to technical and select Microsoft. And then there's a call Microsoft button in there. When you tap that, the call goes directly to the disability and answer desk at Microsoft. And that really allows the companies to support the, the community and it allows our users to get in touch with experts who fully understand um, the products and services that people are having issues with. So it was kind of a, a win-win situation. Uh, Microsoft was the first one. Uh, Google joined a little later. Now we also have Procter & Gamble on. We have many of the leading blindness organizations around the world who are all available in 
in the specialized health app. We're super, super excited about continuously adding new companies to this list because it means that our users can do more. I mean, I think I think the 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 big shift that happened to be my eyes is we realized we have this community and and we needed to unlock it for products and services that wanted to serve the blind community. Because historically, you know, we know that there are lots of visually impaired people in the world. The World Health Organization said in October a year ago now that there were 2.2 billion, which is an just absolutely unbelievable number. It's almost 30% of the population have some type of visual impairment. And yet, for some reason, it's hard to find these people because, you know, myself included, because it's, we live in integrated into society and we don't always identify as visually impaired or blind and it's health information. So it's hard to track. And we realized that at Be My Eyes, we had this global community of hundreds of thousands of visually impaired people and companies really wanted to improve their accessibility. They wanted feedback. They wanted to improve customer support. And so we thought maybe this is the business model that can keep Be My Eyes running for free for all consumers and also do some good you know, in the corporate space. So. Was there a time in, in sort of the, the lifespan of the app where did you guys ever consider like, well, maybe this is something that we need to sort of shift into some sort of a pay model or was it, were you just always determined to keep it free? That's the, that's the beauty of having a blind founder, I think, or a blind, you know, co-founder is, uh, you know, it, it keeps you set straight on what your mission is and what your goals are. You know, we're not a nonprofit. We, we were, I think, briefly, um, but, we're, you know, we're a, we're a social enterprise. We're a small startup company. We, we you know, we take investment. And um, early on, there were a lot of opportunities to go for low-hanging fruit in terms of you know, there's all there's all these models that that you're familiar with, advertising and um, monetizing through subscription, and we were pretty clear about the idea that we did not want to put up additional barriers to something that the majority of the population gets access to for free, which is sight. And we were like, you know, uh, it it's it's it just doesn't seem right. So we kind of. We held our ground and it took a few years, but uh, this model of partnering with companies, giving them a profile in the app and through that partnership funding, you know, the volunteerism of the service, uh, it, it, it really kind of fell into place and we're proud now to have, gosh, more than 50 companies on there. So, it's, it's, it, it, yeah. it, you know, sometimes patience pays off. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think just uh, double clicking on that, um, that was also some, one of the lessons learned from having this incredibly global and, and widely spanned community. We are present in more than 150 countries, and we know that there's a lot of people who cannot afford paying for this. And so we, from the very beginning, we're like, this has to be free, and it's going to be our responsibility to figure out how we can keep it free. Because... Our philosophy is a little bit um, an assistive or an accessibility tool or technology is only accessible if it's also financially accessible. And it's our responsibility to figure out how we get there. So the subscriptions and the ads and all this stuff, never it never really tasted right 
Um, our business model is actually inspired by a postcard uh, that I found on a cafe once, and it's we found this postcard, uh, and it says, "Because only everybody wins when nobody loses." And we're like, that has to be the design sentence on which we make decisions in BMIs. This is how our business model has to like fall, follow this mantra. And I really think that this is the case when now inviting companies on because it allows companies to support the community and also to figure out when the community is having issues, when there's accessibility box that has gone through some kind of filter um, it allows our users to get the support that they need. Com this is also completely free for the users and it allows us to continue to provide a free um, and unlimited service to the community. So that little postcard actually inspired um, our business model as it is today and we will keep it free uh, and keep it unlimited uh, to the users forever. You know, and it, it, it seems to me that it must be a, a really easy sell to a lot of these companies as well, because for them, um, you're absolutely right, it, it gives them sort of data in terms of, of who's using their product, um, but it also like helps sort of uh, corral any sort of um, problems through, you know, a single point that's a lot easier for them to, to deal with in terms of they can put somebody in place that is strictly, you know, an accessibility expert that can actually walk them through common problems that maybe say somebody who's visually impaired might might have, rather than those people just calling the general help desk and like getting somebody who has no idea, they've never even heard of a screen reader before or whatever. And so not only that, and plus it, it, it um, it builds, you know, a sense of goodwill among the community that, you know, they're going to they're going to use a Microsoft product because it has this this specialized help built right into it, um, as opposed to something else that might not. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it'd be really proud to have had success with getting these some of the largest companies in the world to do this. And I think it we have been able to do that because it speaks to a very specific product uh, problem. It really allows them and their agents to provide a support that is far superior to someone calling in over the phone. And as you said correctly, getting these insights to when people are struggling, that's really, really valuable uh, because the Microsoft and the Google, they're actually using BMIS to find accessibility bugs because we like to think of BMIS as a live usability study about how people are using products and services. So, and, and people are only calling in when something is not designed right. So that can be because of a accessibility bug or something that's not just not user friendly. But when the call and when the companies receive these calls, they can say, oh, okay, it ex there we something here is not done right. Let's make sure that we fix that. So quite opposite to how a lot of companies operate, we actually look, we actually think that a decreased the number of calls is a good thing because it means that the accessibility issues have been addressed and they have been fixed. So the same call doesn't have to happen over and over again. Right. Um, so, and the companies really like appreciate this because it allows them to to be more accessible all over. Was there ever also a point where you guys looked at something like, oh, well, maybe maybe we can remove the human component of this 
and look into something like artificial intelligence? Or was it always just like, nope, this, this, the, the human component volunteer is working and that's just what we're going to stick to? I think uh, we're very, like, very aware of like AI's potential in, uh, in, in helping us get assistance to people more efficiently uh, more you know in a more streamlined fashion um, but I think you know we kind of believe that no matter how much how many advancements we make on the AI side of things and no matter how much we integrate it into the flow of the app and maybe some of the less obvious aspects of how the app functions um, we still we still really think that human accessibility is kind of un, unbeatable and like this the human aspect of support yeah. is 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 really what we believe is is is, is sort of a a gold standard and i think like you know it, it, ai is kind of like accessibility in that it's like you're you're always going to be striving to have it be better and better. Um, but are you ever going to kind of achieve 100% intel you know, intelligence or 100% accessibility? Probably not. It, it's a process. Yeah. Um, but I think like, uh, you know, we like to say we're like kind of in the human accessibility business because there are just certain things that I don't think a computer could, could do. I mean, we, we have people using be my eyes to, uh, check, you know, their wedding dress before they walk down the aisle. <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, we, we've, we've used it for color com people have used it for color commentary for their kids basketball game. Um, there's, there's all sorts of these cases uh, that we hear about that are just very, very human. Um, and so, you know, using AI to do things like recognize some text or, um, you know, uh, kind of like help, help, help along the, the way, uh, help position a camera or something like that. Yeah. We, we think about those things all the time and think about how the, how the software can be improved. But I think we're always going to have a human in the loop. I think that's kind of the be my eyes, uh, uh, brand. <laughs> well, and you know, and honestly, like you, like, for example, we, last week we talked to, um, uh, the developers of an app called soup sense AI and you know and it's you know this is you know the AI and and the AR components are, are what they're actively working on but you know I remember talking to them and thinking yeah you know but you, it's such an evolving field and we're still so far away from any of that being able to replace a human um, we, exactly so you know we're we're years and years and years away from that there also to that piece though and this is just something as you were talking i was thinking about this there's also this element where you're pairing sighted people with with visually impaired people and so you you guys must hear a lot of stories about about sort of the almost the educational portion of this where some of these volunteers their eyes must no no pun intended but their eyes must really be open to some of the the plights and the everyday you know things that people who are visually impaired have to go through and you know there there is that that real human connection and, and real human component of this going on in the background 
I think there are a lot of sighted users who sign up out of a feeling of charity or maybe even pity or, you know, wanting to help, you know, wanting to help someone in need, you know, all these sort of cliches around, around blindness. But, but I think that, I think that when they get their first call, more often than not, rather than feeling someone's plight, they actually, they actually connect with the person on a level of the person is happy to be receiving their help. They might joke around. They're, they're warm and kind, both going both directions. And this, this volunteer might have never met a blind or visually impaired person before in their life or not known they met someone. So, so it really is sort of a bridge between worlds that feel very far apart. But anybody could wake up with a visual impairment any day of the week. And of our 4.3 million volunteers, many of them will also be low vision or become blind at some point in their life. And I'd like to think that they're going to have a richer experience and be uh, less thrown by those curveballs that life throws at them because they felt a, a connection to the community already. Yeah, I, just building on this, Will, I think that BMIS really provides a like a sneak peek into a world that a lot of people don't really understand. And I think one of the most important pieces of the community is actually raising awareness amongst the millions of people who have signed up to be volunteers. Because once you receive these calls, you understand, okay, it is actually incredibly important that we think about designing things in a more inclusive way. And I think that learning is very, very important. And that can happen on a call that is two minutes long. It really makes people think. And hopefully by raising awareness about the importance of accessibility and the importance of inclusive, inclusive design, we are able to make changes. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really, really excited about. Now with, um... With operating a service like this, obviously you've got the human interaction going on, um, and and humans being fallible. Uh, there there must be concerns about liability, about insurance. Uh, can you speak to to some of that, and and you know what what you have in the background of the uh, of the business to uh, to mitigate that? Well, we have a pretty strict policies and zero tolerance for abuse and that sort of thing. We've been really fortunate to not um, be plagued by abuse. We have a really incredible community. It's also sort of a, a difficult app to abuse from, from at least from as a volunteer because you don't know when a call is going to come in. And in order to get a call, you have to be pretty quick and really, really want the call. Um, so it's it's uh, abuse isn't it hasn't been a, a big issue and. And in rare cases, we, the community reports or self-reports and very quickly weeds it out. We're able to just, you know, pluck those, those, uh, those little uh, bad apples out of there. And, um, and I think that, you know, we, we, we take all the, you know, we look at everything from a pretty traditional um, legal perspective that a platform would. Um, but in general, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
everybody who signs up to volunteer is is there uh, because they really want to help. I think education is also a big part of it. Um, we really make sure that our users know what they can use it for and what they can use it for. Of course, like when you're using the um, calling volunteers, of course, like sharing credit card information, medicine, and all these things, of course, you shouldn't do this. It's, it, it, it's the same as meeting a stranger on the street, uh, but for a lot of low-risk things like checking the color of a shirt or something like that, perfectly fine. But our blind and low-risk users are really in control of um, of, of, of what they show. Uh, so the, that educational piece is pretty important. Yeah, and I will, I will add one more thing, like early on, we had this idea of like, well, you know, the app is for blind people, quote unquote. Um, and, you know, you're not allowed to use the app if you're, if you're, if you're not quote unquote blind. But then we started realizing that, well, not only, okay, first of all, it's not just for blind people, it's for people with low vision. That certainly increases the number of users. Then we also saw that there were all these other sort of people with visual support needs who essentially were, were functionally blind in certain ways, whether it was because they were colorblind. I mean, that's a huge percent of the population. Right, right. Um, you know, whether they have dyslexia or print another print disability that makes it difficult to read something, um, or, you know, maybe they don't know how to read. And, and we kind of realize like visual support is a lot more global and kind of human than simply uh, having someone submit a medical report saying they're blind. Uh, so we kind of realize it's not ours to decide who has a disability, who doesn't have a disability, who is allowed to use the app, who isn't allowed to use the app. You know, we said this community is here to support people with visual interpretation and we'll let them do it however they they kind of see fit so we have we have quite a quite a diverse range of users in that respect that's a that's a great point because non non-visual uh, print disabilities is a much much larger community than uh, the visually impaired community um, are are you seeing large numbers of people from the non-visually impaired community joining the service and what what sort of mix do you see these days I don't know if the numbers are statistically significant. I'd have to check it out, but um, I I think you know we certainly uh, have made every effort to make the brand more inclusive, to make people feel comfortable joining, because the truth of the matter is there's just a, the vast majority of blind people don't really think of themselves as blind, you know. Uh, if you were born blind, you 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 don't you don't have another reference point, and you just feel normal. And if you became blind later on, like me, you feel like a sighted person who you know has some life challenges. So it, it's not you know we don't want to force people to put a label on themselves in order to sign up to benefit from this great service. So we've we've tried to we've tried to you know kind of change the language a little bit to make sure people know that it, that they're welcome onto the platform, um, but we haven't actively marketed it or anything like that. Uh, we kind of rely on the community to sort of uh, 
figure it out for themselves. And we're lucky that we have sort of self-driving organic growth. And we're very open to other communities though and collaborating with community partners and bringing on nonprofit organizations onto the platform and sort of working to expand our, our uh, disability centric community in a lot of different directions. So how does the, how does sort of the call routing work? Like, so for example, is, is it, does the, the software try to keep it fairly localized? So does it try to pair people who are in the same geographic location or does it just open it up and you could just get anybody in the world and it just pairs you based on language? A little bit of both actually. Um, the main two components that we use to connect people is time zone and language. Um, so the, this, if you are in the, in Vancouver and you need help at three in the morning, then we will call someone, let's say in Australia, where it's during the day, who can support. But if you call them during the day, then we try to find someone in a local area. And we call several volunteers at the same time. So it's just the first one to accept the call who will get it. And which means that the connection time is really, really close, close for really, really short for our our users. We are averaging around 15 seconds from when you click that button that says "Call first available volunteer" to someone picks it up at the other end, and that's in more than 185 different languages. So that's something that we're really proud of. It's really, really immediate. What's in store for the future? I think the like the app will continue to develop and continue will continue to add new features that make sense and that has been requested by the community. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about and one thing that you don't see uh, on that not all users see is our latest um, feature or product called BMIS for Work, and where you have you have for for. BMIS Work is basically a private version of BMIS connecting people within a company to their coworkers. Um, we, uh, several of our users reached out and say, I, I, I really love BMIS and I, I want to use it all the time. But sometimes when I'm at work, I work on super confidential stuff and I can't just be talking to people who are not, who are, who are not my coworkers. So we're like, hmm, how can we solve this? Oh, we'll make a close community connecting employees who need visual assistance with um, their co-workers who provide that assistance. So that's a new um, product, or product that we just launched that we are very excited about. Um, and hopefully this is something that will be make workplaces uh, more accessible and hopefully also change the high unemployment numbers that we are seeing. Um, we've And we'll continue to add new features, new um products to the uh, to the to the app as they are being requested by the community wow that's brilliant i hadn't even thought of that but yeah i mean i guess there there would be no reason why you couldn't build something in to to a closed community or a closed system like that wow that's that's really cool yeah you'll see more about it in october where you know it's a disability uh big month for site site uh sight and vision awareness uh, stuff so we're going to be helping helping companies you know reach some of their employment goals and um doing a lot more around gosh there's a lot there's a lot going on in in october and i don't know how much of it i can announce right now but 
you know, partnerships around civic engagement, um, continuing to kind of show more unique use cases and specialized help. Um, and there's, there's always cool features, like there's kind of little features rolling out in the app on an ongoing basis. Like my favorite new thing that came out in the app recently is favorites. Now you can kind of favorite your favorite specialized health providers so that they pop up right at the top of your specialized help screen. So you can get quick access to Microsoft or whoever it might be. We just rolled out dark mode, which was huge. Um, and you know, there's, there's a, you just kind of have to keep, keep, keep uh, your eyes on the app and, uh, and maybe there'll be some fun surprises uh, by the end of the year. <laughs> and another one of my favorite uh, features is also the, the Siri and um, Google right. Assistant, um, where you can actually just ask your Siri or ask your Google Assistant to make a call to either a specific organization or to, you can set up Siri, Siri shortcuts incredibly easy in the app, making um, it, the app hands-free. Uh, or at least you don't have to touch any buttons to um, get in contact with someone who can provide visual assistance, whether they are volunteers or a representative from one of the specialized help companies. And I don't know if you guys saw with the new iOS, you can you can turn shortcuts into like tap motions, right? Like you tap the back of the phone four times or something like that and activate a shortcut, which is pretty cool. So you, could, uh, you can get creative with it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, actually one real last quick question. Cause I know, I know we're, we're running, running out of time, but, um, COVID have you guys noticed a, an uptick in people using the app, it, you know, with everything, you know, sort of moving more into the digital space and, and with online, you know, being so important to a lot of people, have you guys noticed a real change in terms of the community or, and the activity or anything like that? Has COVID had, a, had an effect on you guys? I think, I think the, that COVID has been interesting because it's had a huge effect on us as a community in that we have all had to work together to find new and creative ways of delivering services to people who need them. Um, We've spent a, a huge amount of time over the last six months partnering up with the world's blindness organizations from Italy to Nepal to the UK to the US and Canada and really trying to figure out how can we help deploy our software tools into the nonprofit and human services space into the AT space, how can we get our tools in the hands of vendors, of um, rehab facilities to deliver services remotely and without with social distancing and all this stuff. So it's it's been kind of a a re a rejiggering of 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 approach and it's been a creative time. It's been a collaborative time. We've seen organizations that don't often collaborate in the blindness world get together for projects. Um, so it's been, it's been huge in that respect. In terms of use on the platform, I think like we've seen it go up in some ways. Uh, and then for other folks, they're, they're at home with their families. And so people, they aren't alone as much. So 
I think it, on balance, it's it's right. kind of just a steady upward trend that we're used to seeing. Um, but COVID is affecting everybody a little differently, I think. Um, I don't know, anecdotally, I feel like some some friends have really enjoyed the time with their family and their time at home and others are going crazy without their usual support networks and um, their usual routines. So it's, it's, it's really, it's really hard to say, you know, yeah, how yeah. has it affected uh, the, the, the quarter million blind users as, as a whole, because really differs from country to country. Perfect. Well, listen, we want to thank you guys so much for, for coming on. And I, we feel very silly for waiting so long to have you guys on because um, Be My Eyes is something that we've certainly talked about for years and years. Um, and it's and has been a really important part of, um, you know, AT that's out there. Um, so thanks so much for, for coming on. Thanks so much, Rob. Really, really appreciate you bringing us on. And uh, yeah, we uh, hope to see some of your your listeners uh, in the BMIS community in the future. And so for anybody out there, again, who's been under a rock, but uh, tell people where they can find BMIS or... Uh, if, they, if they're interested in being a volunteer or if they're interested in being a user? You can search in the App Store, iOS, uh, or uh, Google Play. And it's three words, be my eyes. Uh, go to bemyeyes.com slash download. You can check out our podcasts. If you want to hear more of this annoying voice over at uh, bemyeyes.com slash podcasts. And we run a, both the podcast where we interview blind and low vision folks who are passionate about what they do, as well as an inclusive design and accessibility podcast called 13 Letters. Awesome. All right, guys. Listen, thanks again. And uh, we we promise we will have you on again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I feel like we could have talked for another two hours. So uh, You guys should come on our podcast too. We can, we can trade these. Hey, anytime. Just let <laughs> us know. Reach out. Yeah, say the word. Have a good one. Okay, guys. Take care. That was good, though. That was cool. It was very interesting. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. They're doing a lot more stuff than than I realized. You know, I me too. As as a as a as a sighted guy wandering about, I I it's not a service that I ever really interact with. So I'm I'm uh, uh, quite uh, you know the the part that surprised me was the corporate uh, side of things. The you know the Microsofts, the Googles, yeah, the, things like that. I wasn't aware that they were doing that. So what I found. What I found interesting is I, I've known that they work with Microsoft and Google um, as, as, as support channels as well. But I remember Will saying that there was many, many more yeah. people that are, are on there. So I'm going to have to look back at their website and actually see if they have a list of those organizations and companies because that was kind of mind-blowing to me. Yeah, well, and the other really cool thing that I like about this that I'd never thought of is that, you know, this pairing of sighted volunteers to people who are, are you know, visually impaired – there's a there's almost like an educational component of that like people are learning about what it's like to to live with blindness or to live with low vision or even to live with something like color blindness right which was another you know real epiphany yeah and i th i think you know once word gets out that this is available for people who have non-visual print related disabilities because i don't think that that information is really circulating within that community right now right um, I think that will really increase their, their uh, membership as well. Yeah. And the fact that they've been doing it for so long, and I feel like they're really establishing 
themselves. And it really does make sense, this, this whole idea of the, the, the corporate partnership aspect of, of their specialized help, which, you know, again, that only benefits the users, but it also provides this revenue stream for them in order to be to maintain the free model that's that's obviously really important to them as a as a company um I, yeah i just i have nothing but but mad respect for them now well and having somebody available 24 7 right four million volunteers to yeah. aid you i can't imagine there being a wait time for any requests that you're submitting to to or through the service um so you know, instantaneous help is is exceptional. Yeah. So I mean, I think that you know, again, going back to what we always say about you know different tools in the toolbox. Um, you know, it's great if you're a, if you know. I think that if you travel or you 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 need a lot of um, you know personal information, you know, transcribed to you or something that you're not going to be comfortable just getting a volunteer to to read to you, then you know maybe Ira is the solution for you. But that being said, you know, there's no reason why you wouldn't have Be My Eyes on your phone as well and using that for, for other things that you don't necessarily need to, to go, you know, go to Ira for. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. Uh, they can also drop us an email if they so desire, especially if they have any sort of comment or a show idea or they want to be on the show or they want to suggest that we talk to somebody cowbell at atbanter.com hey hey yes. hey you know yeah. what else you what, know what else what, what? You, you want to hear something else do hear it. something else i'm ready they can get us on social One media yeah, yeah yeah they can get us on social media social Facebook, media Twitter, instagram yeah what about there. what about squarespace are we are we on squarespace we, squarespace. we are not on squarespace or wait, not Squarespace, MySpace. Well, we're not on that either. <laughs> I forgot. I get, get all the spaces mixed up. Probably the same thing. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if those sites are still live. I think I, I had a MySpace page. I was trying to remember. What was that Google uh, social media platform that oh, they had once way back when? Google, wasn't that Google Plus? Yes. No. Yeah, Google Plus, right? God, that was only two years ago. How can we? We've already forgotten that because we shit talked it every every single week, <laughs> <laughs> and now even we've forgotten it. Oh, it was pretty forgettable. See, technology is not kind. Once something falls out of favor and disappears, boy, disappears hard. AOL or uh, geez, remember FTP? Remember those days? GeoCities. GeoCities. Ooh, shout out remember, to GeoCities. Remember news groups? News groups. Oh, God, yeah. I love the news groups. Usenet news groups. Oh. Well, let's spent let's many just a do day. a little dance back through memory lane, shall we? I know, right? Oh, the news group. Oh, those groups are so great. News groups are still a thing, aren't they? Probably. I mean, maybe. Yeah, they probably are. Yeah, Usenet's probably still around. Yeah, probably, but I don't know. Probably. Nobody bothers with it anymore. Yeah, people well, have at least to rip I don't. Off their music somewhere. Yeah, but I feel like the BitTorrent really. <laughs> took, I shouldn't. Not that I know anything about any of this stuff, because like it's be highly. <laughs> it's always stayed away from anything like that. But yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, all right. Well, that's going to about do it for us this week. We've already incriminated ourselves enough. 
Um, <laughs> my name is Rob Smith, and uh, <laughs> I live in Thailand. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thanks, everybody, for getting up so early. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.